Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! What's going on, everybody? Pat Bear here, and we are back again. It is June. It is Pride Month, and we are here with more geeky, queer pop culture for your eardrums. I am being joined on this episode by a gaggle of homosexuals that are here to talk nerdy to you. Starting on the left of my screen, we've got Eric. Hello. Welcome back. It's been a hot minute since you've been on an episode. We've got in the middle of my screen, Brian. Calispera. That's Greek. I don't know what that Hello. means. Good, good morning Hello. to you, too. No, it's good afternoon, <laughs> not good morning. I tricked you. Lavita Zane. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like including that. And on the right side of my screen, I love that I'm depicting where y'all are on my screen as if the listeners at home can see this or care. But hey, uh, normally I go East Coast and West Coast, but this time I'm going across the screens. BJ is here. Go, 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 go. Is that how you say hello in the bathhouse in the dark I room? I mean, yeah, of course. Or the, or okay, the, I was cool. going to say, or the, the bus station restroom, whichever. That's that's the tidal wave while you're busy with your mouth, but you're trying to acknowledge somebody who's just stuffed up. <laughs> Is that right? I feel like. Because you could be underwater, or you could have your mouth full. Oh, that so. works better if it's underwater. Or both. Or both, absolutely. I mean, in that pool, it would not surprise me. <laughs> it was it was an interesting year this year. It was it was uh it was kind of all over the place. Um, you could tell it. It was there was like one day where I was at the pool and everybody's just kind of wandering around, like kind of like they don't know what to do anymore. And when I tell you that, it takes a lot to make me feel normal. But when I tell you, I'm just floating in the pool watching people just kind of saying hi. Everybody's saying hi to everybody, and it took like three hours just for everybody to like get in the pool and start to actually like have a copacetic time. But uh, no, it was it was pretty hilarious just kind of watching everybody meander for at least a day, not knowing not knowing what to do in the sunlight and like actually being able to shake people's hands and then immediately running to the room to do a COVID test. I mean, <laughs> not just not just COVID worries, but COVID meningitis, monkey pox. I mean, oh, God, it's just. I wish the mad sign, uh, what I wish, whatever orchids organization is coming for us. I just need them to like chill for like a day. I just, I just need it to to stop for a day. I mean, I just, I want, I, I really needed somebody to do um, 
Is it Stefan? What is the is it Bill Hader's character from Weekend Update? <laughs> Stefan. Yes. <laughs> Tidal Wave has everything. COVID, monkeypox, meningitis. <laughs> you know, all of that. Anywho. Well, happy Pride, everybody. It is the month of June here in the year 2022. We are going to dish on a couple of topics that we have been enjoying. And uh, we're going to share our, our joy with you through this podcast. So why don't we go ahead and kick it off with Eric. Welcome back. You get to be the first topic on this episode. Well, as it's Pride, might as well go with an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Ah, see what I did there? Word Yes. Uh, Fire Island. Lead meeting. Leave meeting. <laughs> Boo. It's been a while since I've done that. <laughs> Fire Island is the new film on the Hulus. Um, the gay rom-com written by Joel Kim Booster. Um, directed by Andrew Ann. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. A-H-N. Possibly on. Um, and starring Joel Kim Booster, Bowen Yang, um, Margaret Cho, um, is inspired by Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Um, and it's a group of friends embarking on a week-long vacation to Fire Island. And if you don't know what that is, it's the famous gay village off the south shore of Long Island. I've never heard of such a place. I, I'm just shocked that it's... I don't know. I feel like it, I'm a little shocked that it's still a thing. Because uh, I honestly, until they announced this this movie and put out a trailer, I was like, oh my god, is that that's still a thing, right? Like, I didn't even... It didn't even occur to me. Like, I had to Google it to, like, look it up to remind myself that it that it was, in fact, still a thing. I was impressed well, with wait, how you, small you, it was. I did didn't never remember the pictures. What? What? It's pretty small. You say that it? you didn't know Fire Island was still a thing? No. Just because you go to the West Coast to Palm Springs doesn't mean that Fire <laughs> Island doesn't still exist. I didn't even know what state it was in. Get, be, let, let's be clear. I had no idea what state it was in because for some reason, I just, I just haven't heard it in any kind of gay media. Like, the last time I heard about it, I think there was a movie that took place on Fire Island. And I think it was like it was one of those really like cult gay movies like that oh no no the last time i heard about fire island was a choose your own adventure book that was about drag queen zombies invading fire island and that was the last piece of pop culture i had ever encountered that had to do with fire island so I have that book somewhere and I'm looking for it now. But yeah, that's I, I BJ, listen, I will back you up. It's not that I, I would say I forgot that Fire Island existed. I, in fact, I was just having a conversation about it uh, a couple weeks ago with somebody who lives in New York. However, I think that for a lot of the Bears, Fire Island has less relevance compared to, a, say, a province town or other location. But uh, so that's probably why it's not at the top of your uh, stack, so to speak. My, my pantheon. Damn. But Pat, the, have you the, been... the promoters of Fire Island Bear Weekend would like to have a word with you. <laughs> no, well, they need to because they're not doing a good job. Have you? I don't remember, Pat. Have you been to Fire Island? 
Oh no, I've never been to Fire Island. And you live I'm born and raised born and raised yeah. Long Islander, not even New Yorker. <laughs> born and raised Long Islander, and I've never been to Fire Island. So again, I had a very I, odd trajectory in my my queerness and my coming out, and it did not involve going to Fire Island. So BJ, you are forgiven for not realizing. Yeah. Ma'am, you do not speak for me. I mean, not forgiven. I'm not am, forgiven. Let's be clear. I am Wanda in this bitch. I need no forgiveness, <laughs> and I am being reasonable right now. So just, <laughs> I'm not a problem yet. I can be. She forgets who holds all the power. You're on mute, bitch. Nobody can hear you. Oh no. Wait, <laughs> right, I gotta. Oh, hold on. Wait, there we go. Let's unmute him. There we go. I muted myself, and then you muted me again when you tried to unmute me. See, see how this, see how this is already descending in the chaos. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, back to this fabulous, <laughs> fabulous film. So the movie centers on Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang um, as the two leads, and uh, Joel plays Noah. And Bowen plays Howie, which are based on the Bennett sisters, Elizabeth and Jane. I don't know. I've never seen any of the Pride and Prejudice adaptations, so I don't know the base story. I've, I've, read, a, I've read a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I mean, it probably has most of those uh, broad strokes in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I liked the movie. I feel like a gay it, adaptation has a different broad stroke than <laughs> other adaptations. I mean, there's pretty explicit drug use. There, They show a dark room in the back of a bar where an orgy is happening. Um, so, I think it gets all the gay stuff right. Um, it deals with um, Bowen's character talking to Joel Kim Booster's character and bringing up his issues with body dysmorphia and racism in the queer community um, and how he tries to get Joel to see that their experiences aren't the same just because they're both gay and Asian, that Joel is much more of a fit person than uh, Bowen is. So... It's not as easy for him um, when looking for partners and such. Uh, but it's it's very cute. It's heartfelt. Um, I don't know if I'm looking past more of the kind of surface issues because I'm familiar with a lot of the actors in the movie in that uh, both of the Los Culturistas hosts, Bowen and Matt, are both in the movie, as well as I've liked Joel Kim Booster for a long while and his comedy. Um, and just the idea of being on Fire Island brings back memories of going to Provincetown and enjoying Provincetown a lot. And so um, kind of my own memories could possibly be skewing my view of the movie, but I really liked it. You're remembering that time when we all shared a bag of drugs, including stuff we found on the floor of a taxi. I don't remember where the one thing came from. 
Am I, I don't remember only... that, so they must have been Trip, are you good. on? <laughs> but am, yeah. I the only one, Trip. Am, I the, am I the only one that doesn't do drugs at gay events? Because I feel like I no, am I, completely missing out. BJ, Man. That, that was my dry humor. But no, I, I was actually going to okay. remark on Eric's, like, this is the memory humor of was his so dry, events. It was a desert. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little dried out right now after uh, my body has gone through a metamorphosis. Uh, in the upside down, but no, the, uh, the, yeah, that's the only thing is the, the gay experience as depicted in this film is not what I would consider the universal gay experience. It's rather the, my mother used to think that was my lifestyle gay experience. <laughs> I mean, it, it is very circuit party, but I assume that that happens more. So not necessarily at bear events. I know it happens at bear events, but. I don't know, and I kind of am glad that that's something I'm not really familiar with, but I, I don't think most of the people I would consider my peer and friend group do K casually at these events. Oh, yeah, hey, no. not K at least. I mean, you know. Um, but, I mean, I know what you're saying. I mean, there's other I, letters I, in the alphabet to work off of, so, I mean. If just it's not just K, to be clear, K is ketamine, right? Yes. Okay, all right. Or G, <laughs> uh, also in the mix of the things they were taking or Molly, um, I, or so Molly's the only one I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And Poppers, obviously, we're not even counting that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't know that that one scene felt okay. I will, I will hold my judgment until you are done, Eric. I don't want to shit all over this parade just yet. <laughs> I, I, I would say, as great as this movie was about dealing with um, the whole idea of speaking on no fats, no femmes, no Asians, I feel like I enjoyed the fact that one of their friend group was Max, who was a larger individual, but I don't feel they kind of gave him any kind of on-screen time where he was um, kind of looked at romantically in any way. But I don't know if also the character that he was portraying, Mary Bennett, I don't know what she brings to the story at all. She, she may just be a very small sister character in Pride and Prejudice. I'd like to know where Kimberly Chi was when this film was being cast. Um, because I feel like Kim Chi just doing a dance number through to her Season eight finale song, Fat Feminasian, would have been perfect. <laughs> Peppermint was in the movie, though. She had a cameo. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Peppermint, why are you so nice? Because I can be. Sorry, we're not doing random lines from random drag race songs in the middle of all this. <laughs> my, my apologies. You're always welcome. So... Eric, you think overall you 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 seem like you enjoyed it. I I did enjoy it, and I would watch it again. Um, there were there were scenes that I think were really good, uh, both comedically and seriously. I I think that the the scene in the rain between Noah and Will was really well acted and had a lot of good tension to it. Um, I really liked the heads up scene that they filmed trying to get Will to guess Marissa Tomei and him failing miserably. I think <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Um, the defense is wrong. 
that's a horrible impersonation. <laughs> from my cousin Vinny. That's all right. I was going to say, could you please get us to guess Marissa Tomei if we were playing Heads Up? I would not have guessed it from that. I'm sorry. No. No. No, same. <laughs> so I will say... Watch- oh, sorry. I, I will say this movie... The thing about it for me is it felt like it came out, I want to say, like, maybe five years too late. Like, if it had come out, like, a year later, I would definitely be like, I really needed this movie to have come out, like, ten years ago. Um, But I feel like a movie like this would not have been made ten years ago. So, like, I feel, but I feel like definitely five years ago. I feel really feel like this would have had a bit more impact because it definitely didn't have the impact that I felt like it should have. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because we were having different conversations then and the world wasn't on fire um, or it was on fire in a completely different way. Um, but, but definitely like, I agree with you, Eric. I think it was a good movie. I would, I, I would, I would probably watch this on a Netflix and chill sort of evening. Yeah, I think I think this movie is a lot better than a lot of the queer centric movies that have come out in the past, and it's definitely moving, setting a good direction for these to go in the future. Um, and I'm excited for Bros to be coming out later in the year. Yes. What are you trying so, to say about Bear City Three and its uh, <laughs> place in the pantheon? There was a third one. Oh, yes. Let's, let's not go down this rabbit hole. Holy yes. lord! Oh no! If you really want to, yeah, you should definitely watch the Bears in the City uh, Three. I don't um, think I watched the second one. You don't need to. I didn't either. So two wasn't two. Two was okay, but wasn't great. The first one was by far the best of the three. By far. So let's talk about gay cinema and how that it's in of itself is a low bar. Uh. I would dare say that this movie is, I would agree with you that it is good for gay cinema. I would say otherwise that it is a hot wreck of a film that not knowing the pride and prejudice like super well, because again, I just don't, it's not something I've ever really cared about knowing that and knowing the broad strokes, it does sort of follow the formula, but in a way I find very unbelievable. And, and, you know, should I be, if I was more romantic, whatever, okay, fine, maybe I'd buy into it more. But I think part of the problem for me was the casting, and I don't mean Bowen, and I don't mean, uh, what's the comedian's name? Um, you said it several times, and I can't remember. Joel. Joel can Booster. Yeah. Joel can Booster, which I always, it runs together when I say, okay, yes, Joel. Uh, they were great. Uh, the core cast, the group of friends, all great. The uh, love interests, the foils, and uh, not so much. I felt like I just didn't buy it, and I didn't understand the personalities presented, and I didn't understand some of the like uh, uh, the way they got to where they got to with with uh, both relationships. Um, there was just a lot there that I didn't accept, and I think that took me out of it. Um, I love the location. I would really love to go to Fire Island someday. It looks very beautiful. It does look like it's tiny. Uh, which I don't know if that's accurate or just the way it looked. Um, but it did remind me of Provincetown. All of the things you were talking about absolutely track. Uh, the fact that so, so Max is, is uh, Margaret's character. Who is the, who is the Black Bear character? 
That's Max. Oh, that's Max. Okay, so so what yeah. was Margaret's character name? Um, she was Aaron, based on I guess the mom of the family. Okay, okay. So right there, those two characters were almost wasted, and I like that they were there, but I don't like that they were sort of treated very much as wallpaper and sort of plot per, plot. They moved the plot along, um, and so did the other two that weren't the core. Uh, Bowen and Joel, um, those two, but they at least had a little more meat to their roles and were more interesting in the way they were uh, depicted. But the biggest casualty, honestly, is Max, because Max was there in certain scenes and then completely gone from others. And I'm just sitting there the whole time like, well, what's he up to? What's he doing? And I get it. If he's not in Pride and Prejudice, if it's sort of a, a minor role that they didn't have anything to do with, I get not using that character, but it's a wasted opportunity to me. Um. But again, it's the focus was Joel and Bowen's characters. So, I, you know, fine. Uh, yeah, I just think that, uh, BJ, I think you're right. I think six or five years ago, this would have been a, a more impactful and more meaningful story. And now I feel like, okay, yeah, we've done this or we've done other things like this. I'm thrilled for representation that it had, you know, uh, Asian leads and that it was exploring that whole area. But again, I just felt like that's not new tr- new territory now that, that that's been explored but but not enough, uh, you know. I could you could say certainly. So so, so for me, actually, now that because I didn't realize it was like a retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Like I don't. I was gonna say now that I think about it, it definitely is. But I didn't really notice it, and I think that's the only problem I had with it. That was the main issue: is the fact that. I don't know. It's it's like I didn't really like Avatar. Like I thought visually this is great, but it's Ferngully. It's Pocahontas. It's like it's outside outside of the visuals. I'm getting a story I've I've seen before. And maybe that's just because I'm in a golden age right now of television and there's just some really good stories going on, either remakes or reboots or like or extensions of media from when I was a kid. So there's a lot going on. So I could just be I could just be a, a spoiled spoiled man baby. Um like well, get, no, you're your, pointing, get your straight story out of my queer cinema, goddammit. You're, you're pointing <laughs> at something that's pretty crucial is that there is better storytelling going on in television. So comparing this to that is valid, but comparing this to other Jane Austen derived stories is valid as well. It's yeah. just, if Jane Austen's not your flavor, you're not going to like this, I think as much. Although again, yeah. there's other things to hook into. I, I, I guess, you know, again, all my complaints aside, the, uh, the, the drug thing is a valid complaint because it's just such a trope. That, um, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but again, it's not to me a common experience. And so that one scene out of all of their other interactions was just so out of place and weird and and cavalier. And then the fact that they even had poor Max take God knows what and end up with, you know, again, a comic relief sort of plot device thing that happened with him. I don't know that that just bothers me a little bit and, and it takes me out of what I would otherwise be enjoying. Um, yeah well like i said it's it's i'm it's i'm being a little nitpicky about it but but i think but i think that was that was the thing in the back of my head when i was watching it maybe maybe that was the issue but um like i and like you said 
it's a low bar. <laughs> it's most most gay cinema is a low bar. So I'm I'm uh, to what Eric was saying. I am excited to see. The, we're catching up. Is is what I feel like. And we've I think caught up though. I mean, there's yeah. been good gay cinema. There's, we've talked in this show alone about a lot of good gay movies and TV shows that are head head and shoulders above this one. So this to me felt like a throwback into that. It was. It was that older era of oh, ooh, can Camp. you believe we just watched uh, Edge of Seventeen or or uh, but I'm a cheerleader. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to plug in there. Uh, there's oh, lots. But, so by, by so, the way, what, shout out to uh, because I'm a cheerleader. For those of you that didn't know, one of the characters was the voice of Prince Zuko on Avatar. One of one of the guys in the group uh, was Prince Zuko, and it really fucked with my head when I rewatched that movie. Sorry, Eric. I mean, I wouldn't say that there's been a lot of other gay rom-coms that are head and shoulders above this movie. I think there are other good ones, but I don't know. Let me posit, let me posit this to the group because I it, this is my, my, my question. In a world of hetero cinema media whatever you want to say there's a gamut you've got fun and campy you've got your popcorn flicks you've got your um your like masterpiece cinema your oscar worthy films can't we have that as well we're not every piece of gay media needs to be like you know award-winning like a master class and in addition to that kind of question part b is it ever really enough you know we talk about yeah this would have been great to have five ten years ago but it probably wouldn't have been made then and yeah the storytelling may not be be you know uh shakespearean in quality but I'm not going to be mad at queer media being made in, on any level for any group. And especially, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Asian Americans or Asian actors starting to be more prominent in, in film roles, which is amazing. Um, you know, but we don't really see it in, in queer media, which it's, it's a great thing to see. And if, and then the third part, part C, the last thing I'll posit to the to the group or even to those listening. It's to the point of like where certain things or certain scenes will take you out of it. Like the I, I haven't seen it myself, um, but the drug scene, the way that you all are describing the way that this goes. Not everything is going to be our experience, but I guarantee you that somebody that you are hanging out with has had or has had or is having that same experience even if you're not realizing what's going on like there are friends of mine that i've realized that they have done some crazy shit while i'm hanging out with them <laughs> literally i'm like I, I was showing i was showing a picture and i was like where were you like you were here during this this event this trip and uh, i was like oh i found out that they were off doing something <laughs> at that point and i was like oh so sometimes these things happen 
And it's tough because like we watch this and we are the viewer at that moment in time. So it's tough because we want to see ourselves in every aspect of it. But, you know, and this is where like art is objective and your your experiences shape your opinion of it. But sometimes it's just nice to look at it and go, hey, I am sure some tweaked out, you know, queer is watching this scene and going, that was me last Saturday. <laughs> like, you know, and and I, I like that. I I haven't watched the film, so I don't know how jarring it is or how much of a juxtaposition it is. But and this is, I think, a broader commentary on the way that people now all become film critics, all become television critics, all become pop culture critics, because like we're some queers on on the Internet with a podcast. So we're talking about this shit. But then you've got the you know people that are sitting at home behind a keyboard and typing their you know their thoughts out, and we do it in a very uh, I think we do it in a very constructive way, and we put our opinion out there, and nobody is ever demeaning or demoralizing of anything. We just say, hey, this is what we think about it. But there are a lot of people out there that just shit on so much stuff, and and it's nice to start to see more of these things come out, whether they are campy, whether they are. Uh, award contenders like I love it and and for Pride Month like I know this came out before June but or was it right at the beginning of June it was was right at the beginning okay so you know like it's great to start to see some of this stuff you know expand into more things so I'm I I'll get around to watching it I keep saying that I'm gonna watch things and then I watch YouTube videos (laughs) for like hours on end every day and it's really tough. I'm forcing myself, like, my topics in this episode are going to be more current, and I'm excited about that. But it, it, maybe that's just a rhetorical question to throw out to the world. But as you all were talking and, and hearing kind of three different perspectives on the film, these were just some thoughts that were kind of ruminating in my head. And it's, it's I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's something for our listening audience to either think about or maybe, you know, share some of their experiences with us and uh, and, and what their thoughts are on, on queer media. I'm trying to get more social media engagement listeners, so I'm just saying, feel free to uh, put Please your responses. Please yell at us. Yes, yell <laughs> at us all you like. Be nice. No, be I, at Flame on Show. And I think, I think you hit, uh, you hit it on the head for me with that first question. That's, that's what it is. I'm hungry. I want more. Like, I want the sandbox to get bigger. I think so. That's exactly what it is, is I want the sandbox to get bigger. And it is Um, Jesus Christ, like the amount of uh, queer characters, queer representation, it is exploding over the past couple of years. Um, So be ready for me to shove Owl House down y'all's throats, by the way, within the next (laughs) month. Just just be prepared for that. I'm going to make you watch it. Um, But yeah, because I want the throats. (laughs) I want I want Season three uh, was shortened uh, due to an issue. So if it, if more people watch it, it will uh, it could get bumped up. So that is my soapbox for this recording. <laughs> I I think the the best thing about the movie though, and the fact that it was made, is that uh, on one of the interviews I saw um, Joel do is he said that he just loved the book of pride and prejudice and realized that he would never be cast really in an adaptation of it. So he went and he wrote his own that spoke to his experiences and his life. And he hoped that that would inspire more people to go out and do the same thing. Uh, I love it. Cause I mean, that's where 
a lot of times, you know, the uh, there are those loud voices that say, well, if you want a character, or you want this, go make your own, you know, like, go do your own films. And then we do. And then, you know, like, <laughs> it's never enough for, for that section of the world. But um, I will just say that uh, my favorite Jane Austen adaptation is uh, the seminal 1995 adaptation of Emma. Starring Alicia Silverstone, and that is clueless. I'm just saying that is that is my favorite Jane Austen adaptation, and that does get referenced multiple times in Fire Island. Just so you know. Oh, I love it! <laughs> I love it. So, Eric, how many flames would you give Fire Island? Uh, Fire Island flames. I would give it uh, 3.75 flames. Oh, I'm excited to hear Brian's flame rating. Oh, I a three. I'm not saying it's a horrible piece of crap. It's 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 very much what it is, but I would give it three. It's it's uh it's above Bear City three, but below <laughs> Yes, it, safely I'm not sure. it's safely it's better than that. <laughs> I should not be talking this much crap about Bear City Three. I'm in the uh <laughs> in the in the credits of the film, so mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and, uh, Matt Broussard did the comic book for, did the art for the comic book that is the story, the 2.5 that came with the Kickstarter bundle that I, uh, I backed. There was a comic book? What the fuck is happening with this yep. Yeah, I, I didn't even know there's a comic a, book. A well-drawn. It's a story. It's a story <laughs> between two and three. It's, it's supposed to bridge the gap. Spirit City 2.5. <laughs> We said we want queer cinema. <laughs> that there we go. I got my wish clearly and didn't realize I did. Yep. <laughs> Anywho, and then Bear City Two is all set in P Town during Bear Week, which like just it, it it's amazing because it brings back so many memories. Varla Jean Merman telling everybody to to flip over at the uh, the turning of the chairs. I love it. Anyway, BJ, what is your flame rating for Fire Island? Uh, actually, I'll give it a solid th- uh, 3.5 out of 5. Nice. All right. Well, that is Fire Island now streaming on Hulu. Go check it out if you are so inclined. And uh, love me some Margaret Cho. So I will uh, I will be wanting to watch this for sure. Let's move it on over to Brian. What you going to talk about? So I will be discussing uh, the new Lucasfilm uh, TV show on Disney Plus, which, unless you have been hiding under a rock or out of the country, you know is Obi Wan. Um, this wait, what is, is this that you're talking about? I haven't heard of Who? this yet. Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, do you mean Old minor, Man Ben? Kind of a minor yeah. character in Star Wars, isn't it? <laughs> you, you mean yeah. Daddy Kenobi? Oh. Ben. Oh, Ben Kenobi, yeah. Daddy Ben. Um, oh, man, Ben. Daddy ben. What's, so, what's Daddy Ben up to? What I thought was interesting about this, uh, you know, obviously you're familiar with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ben Kenobi, uh, is originally it was supposed to be a movie. And because of the Han Solo, uh, Solo movie that they did not doing very well, Disney reined it back in and said, you know what? We're gonna do this as a as a TV series instead. Uh, are you, sort of are you referencing series. Solo, a Star Wars story? Yes, Solo, a Star Wars story, not Solo Cup, a Star Wars story. That's a different. Uh, uh, 
uh, satire. No, so two droids, the, uh, one cup, a Star oh, Wars geez. parody story. <laughs> Oof. Oh God. Oh, it's, it's just giving me bad visions here. Um, so so a lot of oil leaking are, out. Oh, if you are uh, a fan of the prequels, good news. If you hate <laughs> the prequels with a blinding fury, um, not the worst news because I will tell you, just from being a all around Star Wars fan and not looking back fondly at the prequels it is an improvement on the prequels it actually takes the uh anakin versus ben obi-wan whatever story and sort of redeems it a little bit uh so far because effectively this is set about 10 years after the events of revenge of the sith which was the third prequel so you know obi-wan has the high ground and anakin is crispy and uh, becomes no Vader. And then the twins go off, you know, Padme dies and all that. So after that, about 10 years, you start with this uh, scene, which was actually pretty cool because uh, a lot of the sort of expanded canon universe stuff with the Inquisitors, which I guess Clone Wars or the Rebels, some of these animated so, Star Wars ones. Yeah, explored. the Inquisitors were introduced in Rebels. Okay. So not Clone Wars. Okay. So Rebels. That makes more sense. So you get to see these these characters who are basically Jedi hunters, force-powered Jedi hunters, um, hunting down a Jedi on Tatooine. Now, at first you're like, oh, God, why are we back at Tatooine again? Because the Mandalorian, a book of Boba Fett, we just can't freaking leave Tatooine. But the good news is it does not stay on Tatooine very long. Um, and you find out that um, through these, uh, you know, what's going on here, uh ben now just uh, just ben is off uh working a like shark meat space shark meat uh of of production line shaving off chunks of uh shark meat and taking him back to his little uh little horse-like creature thing that i'm sure has a name and i should know but i don't um and what I love about that first episode is it shows the repetition of his life and how kind of sad it is, but also how hunted he feels, uh, kind of sort of sneakily existing in like not plain sight, but certainly, you know, not like just hiding all the time, but also trying to absolutely not draw any attention to him because he is sitting there very close by, as we find in the A New Hope, sort of watching over Luke, uh, although, you know not i think i think in the new a new hope he's sort of like moved away or you, you don't realize that he's like sitting there watching him all the time but in this case he's like sitting there literally like with his little binox watching uh little luke uh adorably play uh like spaceship fighter on his little uh his little house uh so i so the first episode is just really a lot of fan service a lot of like cool like catching up with who where, where things are in the world and um the nice kind of departure, which a lot of people did not know, they actually they actually didn't promote this, is that you really move away from that situation and story with Luke very quickly, and you actually find that the whole series is not it's about Leia. And I think one of the most delightful part of this series is the actress they found who who is playing young, like eight-year-old Leia, because she is spunky, fierce, like embodies a young Carrie Fisher 
in her in her characterization and, and the way she gets into trouble and is, is sort of you know an adventure or you know like she's just it's perfect it's so perfect um but she gets kidnapped spoilers by the way um and then that's the inciting incident that kind of gets you off Tatooine and uh Bail Organa played by Jimmy Smith's uh has a you know comes back and sort of begs Ben to come out of retirement to take up his Jedi, uh, his, his saber and, and who, which he had buried in the desert, which is also kind of nice because of the whole way that the new trilogy ends with, uh, Ray bearing the lightsaber. So I, lo- I love some of the parallels that, you know, pop up sometimes in star Wars, but so he has to then, you know, take up the mantle again and then go off and try to rescue Leia. And then they go from one planet to another planet to another planet. And they're just off to the races. The other thing people are losing their minds about, I'm sure you've probably heard this, um, Anakin slash Vader comes back. And what's interesting is cool and cool in some ways is they actually got Hayden Christensen to play some of the Vader parts. Not a lot. Actually, I think less than they made it seem I like. I mean, he, he's not voicing Vader. So right. <laughs> he's just standing there in the costume yeah. where you can't even see that it's him. So I well, and- don't know why they're even promoting that it's him him it's it's yes i i totally agree with you although there is the back to tank you know so yes uh the, the hayden christensen thing is interesting i wonder if they will do some helmet removal thing where you'll see more of, of him i don't know but i do love the fact that they have james earl jones still around to lend his voice to this character we all keep wondering when is the last time we are going to get to hear his dulcet tones and uh it, you know scarily uh, talking about you know you cannot escape me now Obi Wan whatever I'm not gonna do I, I might, my impression <laughs> but the so, third episode real quick the third episode is like the rematch that you um you think you want unfortunately it is not good it is not a it is not a epic uh toe to toe at all I think one of the hardest things to watch in this series so far is how much Ben has like given up. And has become out of touch with the Force as a Jedi. I mean, he has he has moved on with his life so fundamentally that when he is put in these positions to use the Force or to fight, he gets better. And I think that's sort of the how Ben gets his groove back is this this kind of story, you know. Um, but it is pretty upsetting to watch this beloved character played phenomenally by um, Ewan McGregor. Uh, get the shit kicked out of him repeatedly, <laughs> get, get like torched <laughs> by Vader. Uh, it's it's not good for him overall. He he definitely suffers through uh through that a lot. Um, a lot of side characters are fine. None of them are like super memorable. Although, um, who's the guy who was in the Big Sick and Silicon Valley? Um, he plays like a fake Jedi. You know Kamel Nagiani. Yes, he's pretty great though. When you have somebody like show up in Star Wars who's like, you know, like, like Sam Jackson shows up in Star Wars, you're like, okay, that's Samuel Jackson. But it's still a fun character. And, you know, it was a nice little little bit of levity in that episode. Um, but like, you know, it takes you out of it a little bit. And then uh, Pat, Zach Braff uh, was a voice of a, of a, of an alien in, in uh, one of the episodes, which is pretty cool. Aww. Yeah. So I don't know. BJ, what do you think? I feel like you have thoughts on this. So, um, how for, have you watched any of the animated series? No, no, I mean like bits and pieces. Okay, so um, 
I will go ahead and just say, spoiler alert, there are some amazing, though that moment you wanted or that showdown moment you, you were, th- you were just talking about um, in the final season of Clone Wars, you actually get a showdown with Ahsoka and Darth Vader. And it is, and I will tell you, there are some amazing emotional moments that you, you, this show rewards you in every way possible. The grand inquisitor, he's a main villain in rebels. Um, so they, they've actually moved some of the animated characters into live action. Um, the time frame, they play a lot with the time frame. So you've got rebels, which takes place. I want to say, uh, almost five years, uh, before a new hope, um, a new hope and, um, rogue one. And then you have, um, you have the Clone Wars and the thing I love about all this kind of shared continuity between the animated series and the live action series and the video games um, is how terrible Order 66 was actually executed because in the movie Order 66 is believed to have just killed off everybody but the one amazing thing I love about um, the most recent Star Wars video game is you you follow a Padawan and his master who have run away and gotten away from order 66, as well as there's a group of children, uh, younglings at the beginning of this show that have actually gotten away. And I didn't count them, but there's, there's a large, there's a large group of younglings that actually made it off. What is that? Coruscant? Mm-hmm. Um, bef- like, and weren't executed by, uh, the stormtroopers. So you've kind of got this better view of how everything um has been kind of pieced together and the best the the thing i love is that in uh between rebels and clone wars darth maul is a massive figure in both of those he survives and they when i tell you they develop this character in ways that you couldn't even imagine where he becomes kind of not he becomes just like obi-wan where in but instead of Obi Obi-Wan has his his choice his uh his mission to protect Luke. Um Maul has given himself this mission of destroying the emperor. And their parallels just j- the par- like what we've seen of Maul and you even get to see his death. Um the parallels between Maul and Obi-Wan are amazing like that's why that's what made me super excited for the show and i don't even care if maul even shows up in the show i'm more enjoying the fact that you have these you have this character that has a clear-cut mission but that opening line in that was used in the trailer and in the show of like the jedi can't help themselves they it's 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 in their dna it's in their code they have to help they have to be of service and that will, that's what's ultimately, that's what Inquisitors do is an Inquisitor j- just has to be patient and wait for a Jedi to come out of hiding to help people. So another character we should definitely pay, uh, we should mention because they've gotten a lot of backlash. The villain, the primary villain of this series is not Darth Vader. It isn't even the Grand Inquisitor who gets kind of, dispatched somehow even though he shows up in later continuity so that's unclear but reva who is played by moses ingram is a fierce 
form you feel like probably former Jedi. I think they may confirm that, but they're definitely beating you over the head with that uh, idea that she's pissed off at Jedi for a very specific reason. And probably because she was one of the youngling, younglings that was uh, abandoned or whatever. Um, she is a force of nature. And I think of all the characters is one of the more novel and interesting of, of that because we have not seen too many. And, you know, again, I, I apologize. I should, I really do want to watch the animated stuff. I just think it, you know, for a while, I don't know why it didn't interest me, but uh, the, the, the fact that you have this strong black former Jedi sort of not Sith, they're not inquisitors aren't Sith exactly, but, but that same level of intensity and force powers and just ruthless driven uh, purpose to basically capture Obi-Wan. That's like, that's her whole thing is she wants, she, she needs to bring Obi-Wan to bring her head to justice, but you know, to, to, to Vader. Um, It's just, it's a, she's amazing. It's been, it's been so great. And each episode you kind of see the, you see little nuances of her. You see her interacting with Leia in the fourth episode. And you, you almost see like a softer side, but not really. It's for a purpose. And then, you know, she's kind of always like out scheming some of the stuff going on. Anyway, really great. I love Reva. So, so yeah, the thing about her is most, usually the Inquisitors aren't very expressive. Um, they're not very, they're, they're very methodical she's definitely she's definitely not she like a lot some inquisitors are cloned some are grown she is definitely like uh but some are um members of either younglings that were abandoned or separated uh from their families uh and the emperor instead of killing them actually trained them to hate the jedi um because there i do know the main villain in one of the video games is an inquisitor and she is the sister of uh, your character's master, and she has a absurd amount of hate. So that so if the emperor, so it's almost like the stormtrooper system. Either the stormtroopers are cloned or grown, or you have ones that were just children at some point, and they were just kidnapped by the empire and programmed to serve the empire. So, but she, but you don't see a lot of inquisitors with her ferocity. And it's definitely a nice change of pace because the Grand Inquisitor is very like methodical, but her, she is like, she is ready to just cut down a swath of bodies to get to her goal. Um, so it'll, it, it'll be very interesting to see more of her. Cause I like her. I like her a lot, but yeah, Obi-Wan, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're probably watching it. If you don't love Star Wars, I don't know if I'd say you should dive in here. There's a lot of lore and a lot of stuff, but you know, it's 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 of all the sci-fi I've seen recently, genre sci-fi like Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever. I it's 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 at least as good if, if not better than The Mandalorian in a lot of ways. And it's um yeah, no, it's 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 just solid Star Wars. So, yeah, Is you got there Disney a baby Plus, Yoda involved in it. No, there's no Yaddle, there's no Grogu, there's no Yoda derived anything, unfortunately. Well, Though there is a 10 minute not better. There is a 10-minute recap of the prequels. So I guess I guess in some way you could get a little taste of that there. Uh, but uh, I think there might be a Yoda voiceover, too, at one point, just in passing uh, for some Jar, reason. Is Jar Jar involved in that 10-minute recap? 
Get out of here. Yes, I think so. I think I think so. <laughs> they really need to redeem Jar Jar. That's the next level of this whole enterprise. If you're going to redeem the prequels, you probably have to find a way to redeem Jar Jar. <laughs> justice for Jar Jar. There's no justice for Jar Jar. <laughs> Uh, so that is Obi-Wan streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Let's go check it out if that is your jam. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to our little podcast. We hope that you're enjoying this episode and all the other content that we put out for you. We would love for you to head over to flameonshow.com and check out our website. Not only can you find our social media, but you can also find our YouTube channel, our Threadless shop, where you can buy your own flame on swag just like friend of the pod jamie did he got himself a flame on tank top looks fantastic in it i uh, was my most recent guest on our root cap so be like jamie and go get your flame on swag and then send us pictures so that way we can enjoy the fact that you are enjoying our swag you can also head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and join our patreon house at any of the four levels we have there for you and help us continue to make this show that we love making for you month after month. All right, dear listeners, let's get into our next set of topics. BJ, I know you have been uh, just running up that hill to talk about this topic. So what are you going to tell the listeners about on this good goddamn day? I'm going to tell them they need to go to YouTube and look up Running Up That Hill slash Sonic um, to see the, um, no. the superior version of uh, that music video. Anyway. Don't do it, <laughs> listeners. Don't do oh, it. Jesus Christ, do no. It. Save do yourselves. It. Unlimited power. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I watched a little sh- uh, volume one of Stranger Things season four. Um, holy fucking shit, I wasn't prepared for this season at all. Have any of you guys watched it? Yep, it's great. I watched season three into season four, almost all back to back. Oh, wow. Season four is what I watched from Greece to Washington, D.C. Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) Does that tell you how long uh, the delays were? So you want to um, know how far into this I am? I am at the end of season one. Okay. <laughs> After season one came out, that's I yeah. It's been a little. We while. watched season one. I feel like yeah. yeah. Wow, that's how long that ago this all started. <laughs> so this so this season was uh, it got this season and because uh, I know their ending was season five um, got delayed um, due to COVID. Um, so everybody was kind of worried about the kids growing up too much. Although at this point, the kids are officially in high school, so they can kind of they can be whatever weird shape they want to be at this point. Um, it's weird, though. It is weird. Like, because, <laughs> again, I watched season three and then immediately went to season four. It's a three year gap. Right. So season three came out in 2019. 20, season four came out this year. Yeah. The kids, the uh, uh, local or relative time is a less than a year has passed. They look like yeah. they're transformed across the board. <laughs> I think Eleven is the only one who doesn't really look that different. Um, and but everybody else is just puberty hit oh, them hard. Yeah, oh, pu- 
Oh yeah, puberty hit them with a Mack truck. Like uh, I was gonna say, Finn Wolfhard like looks different from when he filmed Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like yes. he is a full on foot and a half taller. But like I said, they they're all like freshmen, freshmen and sophomores in high school, and that's usually when you get a growth spurt. So I'm it didn't really it didn't bother me as much because I'm I knew people who in middle school complete like a year passed and they looked like completely different people. So, um, poor, I really wanted Will to get a different haircut. I wanted him to get a different haircut. So bad. That poor child. Have you seen (laughs) the meme, the meme going around about that? (laughs) The true villain of the stranger things franchise is Will's barber. Yeah. It's it's a hate crime. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so we kind of, we, we kind of start this season with, um, the buyers, uh, plus one plus, uh, Jane, um, who is 11, um they're in california uh starting their new lives uh joyce is selling britannica um encyclopedias i absolutely love it um and then you've got the hawkins crew where you have mike and dustin are and lucas are all part of a D club in high school um the hellfire club uh, you've got lucas trying to kind of make things better for them um Max is not doing okay because uh, of the death of her uh, half brother, Billy. Stepbrother. Um, is it her stepbrother? Oh, it's her stepbrother. Yep. I thought it was her half brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it, it's it's a lot. You've got Hopper in a um, in a uh, Russian gulag. Like it is, it is a lot. To, it is it is a lot going on. And I was worried that this season would kind of buckle under that many storylines because I think last season we only juggled, I think, three, which I think was on purpose. You know, season three, three different stories. Season four, you've got four stories. Um, has an amazing poster, by the way. I really want that poster with all with the four groups. Um, but no, I, the pacing in this one was just exquisite. Uh, there like there was literally one time where i like oh i think this is slowing down and then somebody opens a door and gets shot a couple times and i'm like oh god oh no like i have been lulled into a false sense of security and now it's gone to 180 miles um so yeah i i think every every story has been great i love that um once again they have joyce breaking something <laughs> They've got once they've got Nancy is now the one piecing puzzles together. Um, And I think my only weird feeling is the fact that they are kind of pushing Nancy and Steve back together. Um, I, I I feel it's, it's a little weird, but at the same time, Steve as a character has probably had my favorite character growth of any of the characters. He has he has grown into such an awesome character, and honestly, he's he has almost stolen every scene he's been in this season. Um, just absolutely wonderful. Um, Eleven, her, we're finally getting her full backstory. Where she's finally getting back all of the memories that she lost due to the trauma. And holy fucking shit! Like, I love I love spoiler alert for those of you. I'll give you a couple seconds. Okay. Um, but I love the fact that she was not the best, uh, that, uh, Papa 
um, and that government group actually had better psychics than her. I love the fact that she was technically the worst one out of the bunch. And we got to actually see all of the different, I, I was hoping we would see a, a, a bunch of them grown up or more of them grown up. Cause it, uh, as far as I know now, it's just her eight and number one. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a wild, it was a wild ride and I cannot wait for uh volume two, which is July 1st. How uh, well do you remember season two? Pretty well. So what I remember, and it's again, been years was wasn't didn't she fall in with another group of kids that were former test subjects or were they not that only but it was eight. only yeah it was eight. only eight. Oh, eight. So okay it was it was yeah. only eight that was a former test subject and her powers were different from all the others so that she was she was shunted off to another program before oh, okay. what happened with one happened um so in eight, the original in the original series when we saw the beginnings of this was one a thing at all there or we, or was that character even present whatsoever? So we came in. So when you, when we came in on 11, the only memories she had, she remembered was the one where her mom actually saw her, like got to see her and the, and she remembers being born, but th- those are the only two memories. And she remembers eight because eight was in the same room with her when her mother came to see her. But the other than that, we saw when after, after the entire massacre happened, I want to say this was probably a a year or two after the massacre that she escaped from the lab and stranger things season one happened. So we've never actually seen her full past. And I love the fact that she's like reclaiming. So now we, we know that she's got a link to the upside down prior to the end of season one or season mm-hmm. one altogether. So I, I, I like, I like this. I like this sort of intermix mixing. I love that they've uh, Dustin has been like, wait, 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 wait. He's just like, he's the one that's kind of like, why is Vecna doing this? He's like, and where's the mind flare? Why has, why is what has he got to do with this? So it's a whole, there's a whole like mystery to it. And I love how everything kind of converges. And I swear to God, if something happens to Nancy, I will, I will scream (laughs) bloody murder into the sky. I will open my own breach. I will open my own gate into the upside down out of pure rage. Because honestly, Nancy is one of my favorite characters of the show. Um, just kind of like that. She's like that Scooby Doo, like she's smart, resourceful, and she knows how to she knows how to use a fucking gun. Um, she's she's. I hope like, she likes Kate Bush too. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> so I love her because I think she keys everything back to what I believe this season is most referring to, which is the Nightmare on Elm Street. Specifically, was it the third one, which was like the Dream Warriors, right? Yeah. Um, I also like, and that was it pervades the atmosphere of this season that, yeah. that Freddy Krueger esque Vecna character, and how his dream world is a lot like the Krueger, you know, when you fall asleep thing, and and the fact that they have been uh, uh, Robert England in the series is that Victor Creel guy 
was like the 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 point on the the the, the notion or the what i don't know the, the finer point like the the like no this if you're not picking up what we're putting down here uh here you go like this is it um i i think that and as much as i wasn't a big fan of the nightmare on elm street when i was a kid i and, and certainly you know this series is a love letter to the 80s and which is my childhood um seeing each season sort of take inspiration from different things whether it be ghostbusters or poltergeist um a little bit actually in season three kind of terminator with that one mm-hmm. russian guy uh, yeah. like all of these little like love letters these little like homages stacked on top of each other building this world uh i think the fourth season is in, is very so far is volume one is very successful for that reason uh, altered states and and more recently fringe uh in some ways with whole with with with, uh, with nina uh, oh, uh yeah. eleven's uh uh, uh was it uh, isolation tank uh, experience yeah. Spe- specialized um, it's like a specialized isolation tank yeah so so i love i love those kind of little references the soundtrack is as always uh Kyle Dixon and i cannot think of the other guy's name uh that do this amazing uh, sort of synth wavy 80s stuff is so powerful and, and it's like right up my alley. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing that I really like love about this is the reverse satanic panic thing going on with the whole D and D club, and then the you know very religious sort of Christian um, uh, athlete you know folks that are that are leading this crusade to stop Satanism. Uh, having grown up again in this era and having had people tell me if I played D and D I was going to go to hell. Uh, seeing this very palpably flipped on its head in some way and like revealed as bullshit, but, but not entirely bullshit because, you know, there is definitely some evil forces going on. It just has nothing to do with the D and D like all of that is just catnip for me so much. I kind of want to like make my mom watch the season and be like, look, (laughs) the heroes are playing D and D not the bad guys. And they're (laughs) putting it together. Um, so so yeah, I think all of this is great. The the backstory of Eleven, like I I, I guess I got confused because it's been so long, but I I do appreciate we're seeing how it all comes together. It makes sense that it's sort of a retcon, and that you know again spoilers, Vecna is one, and that whole thing is sort of this epic. It's going to become I guess this epic showdown. Um, is is nice. Um, the fact that we got to see Susie Susie Q or just Susie. Uh, I Dusty think. B- just Susie, just, just Susie, uh, Dust, Dusty Bun's uh, girlfriend, who we only saw briefly in the last season. I want to understand her family dynamics. I, <laughs> I, I am gonna guess they're Mormons, but it also seems like they, they have lost all control over those children. But there's such a such a large number that it's 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 all great. I think the only thing I don't love is the 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 the, the Cheech and Chong character sort of dynamic with. Um, <laughs> oh, I love Argyle. Argyle. <laughs> I guess it makes sense. Like I'm not completely like, oh, that's not realistic, and I'm sure it is. But also, it's 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 the comic relief. Like, they've they've basically made Dustin very well empowered, and like he's not the comic relief as much now. Uh, but but now they've got this other character. Oh oh, and I should also say one more reference: Firestarter. I can't tell you how many moments I'm sitting there waiting for Eleven to absolutely go full on Firestarter when she got the. <laughs> The milkshake thrown at her uh, in the in the skating rink. Oh, oh my yeah. god! First of all, I wanted to like reach through the screen and, and throttle uh, Finn, uh, Mikey, because he was completely useless as a human being to protect his <laughs> girlfriend in that in that instance. But uh, and then then his reaction to the fact that she like 
fucking you know stomped this this little bitch uh, with a with a skate and oh he's just God. all like mad at her i was like oh come on this is it's, bullshit it's um, for me so for me it's you know what's funny that speaks you know what that says to me carrie yeah i oh, yeah, yeah, no. You're right. really oh, you're right. want i re but i really want her to have like a carrie moment with either the monsters or like i want i want like or like the townspeople go to attack Mike and them, and she's just like, she doesn't like murder all of them, but she definitely, you could tell she's thinking about it. Um, because, but I definitely love that that moment where she just beans the crap out of her with that roller skate. That it's, was like it's it's everything. brutal, and it's meant to not play as like good for you girl it is meant to play as like oh my god this is a, she's a monster and that the, the thing that's a little disingenuous is they play with that idea that she's a monster for like a hot second yeah. and then completely unroll that and unravel that with the uh, whole backstory i also love the fact that matthew modine and paul reiser are back because as evil or mm, not maybe totally evil but certainly kind of government conspiracy whatever science above all that like that their their roles in this yeah papa and then whatever riser's character is called like i i do appreciate that a lot i actually you know the only thing that doesn't i don't love is what's the character that's like hanging out with uh winota um with the hair, oh, Murray. Oh, Murray. 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 Murray's been great this season. I fucking a little, love Murray. He's he, a I mean, he much. made Rizzo. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a black a little, belt in karate. I know, and it's like a little too useful. But no, he's just a lot. He's a lot. He's he's again he's kind of comic relief. I think the Hopper story or is a Hopper or Hooper? Hooper. Hopper. 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 Why is you think Hooper? Hopper. Uh, oh, by the way, totally aside. Like evidently, the David Harbor. Uh, bald with the mustache, and he, I guess he didn't have the mustache. Anyway, that look is coming back. I've seen a lot of friends, including friend of the show, Zan Christensen, who's decided that that's that's a look, um, which is fine. You know, totally fine. It works for a lot of people. But um, that storyline is like, I, I, it's very rewarding. Obviously, at certain points, you know, towards the end of that first volume, but I, I, I was like, God, the Russians again. Okay, we're gonna do this for, for oh my some god, more. I cried. I fucking you did you, did? you, you, you squirted a little when, bit oh, when nice. that door opened and and like I almost I almost shed a tear when Joyce saw him in the ring and then when when the second when they were able to shut the door and save him and then when the second door opened I was like <laughs> like I was yeah. I was about to start bawling because now here's the one thing that's pissing me off though that like I'm scared because every season we have some marshmallow that's too fucking good for this world. <laughs> and now we've got we've got three. We've got Argyle. We've got uh, the the guard that tried to get Hopper out. Uh, granted for money. But and then, we, then we've got the leader of the Hellfire Club. I can't remember his name. Eddie. 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 Oh, Eddie's fantastic. All three of them. I'm like, you can't give me three fucking targets this yeah. season. I like... I'm just like, you can't. I'm like, don't. I think they're going to kill Eddie, and I think they're going to kill that other Russian guy. I, I also, we can't ignore the queer storyline with, what's her name from last season? Oh, um, uh, the Robin. 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 Robin also, by the way, love the fact she's a band nerd, of course. I, it's funny. I think her look has devolved. Like I really loved her sailor look in the third, the second, third season, uh, <laughs> that dumb outfit. But for some reason, I don't know. She's she's a wacky character though. I do love her. I love the fact that they kind of like keep 
making it seem like uh what's his name harrison um you just said his name uh, steve a uh, herring steve. steve like steve obviously has a thing for her but she's a lesbian so that's like not a thing and 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 i appreciate that they're not making it a thing though every now and again i keep getting that like mm, stop doing you're you're just playing with this um but then uh the thing i'm less thrilled about is a uh, poor little will and his painting that he has made of we presume him and uh mikey and that whole triangle-ish thing that's going on there which um yeah i i i having been maybe in that position or having at least felt that like you know kind of sort of thing in, in high school or college whatever like it, it's a little too close to home i <laughs> and, i think yeah. well it, i agree i but i think they're gonna i really think they're gonna switch switch it up on us i think it's it's gonna be I, I don't think the painting is going to be any kind of like declaration. I think the painting is going to be like of him and 11 or him and all of his friends. And then he's going to come out to them. He's going to, this is, this is, this is kind of like a swan. This is him being like, like, Hey guys, I'm gay. And it's going to be a painting of like him when they were kids and he was the DM. And he's going to be like, I get it if you can't accept it, but here you go like this is to remember remember me by and like do what it with you will so i think it's kind of a swan song because he always seems he does definitely seem really sad do you think he's Um, gonna go out you think he's one of the marshmallows no i don't think he's gonna go out but i definitely think there's so there's there's a thing they've been exploring more with queer storylines and they did it in um oh whatchamacallit um um everything everywhere all at once with the daughter and there is a sort of just resolve to just leave your family and just like, just kind of somewhat self-destruct. And I think I'm hoping Will meets like runs in the Robin and they have like a heart to heart. Um, so, cause right now Will definitely is one of those characters and it happened in, in season three he, where he definitely feels alone. He definitely feels like, the only people that might accept him are his mom and his brother. And other than that, he doesn't, he's, he might think Elle would accept him, but she's got her own shit going on. And he doesn't really think his friends from Hawkins, like the people he grew up with are going to actually accept him. So I think, I I think they're going to switch it up and I don't think it's going to be any kind of like romantic thing. I think it's going to be, it's 100% going to be him being like, Hey, you guys are my best friends and I love you. And I haven't been able to see any of you, but I definitely know I'm gay and I know this it's the eighties. So, um, so I feel, I feel like he's going to come out to them. They're going to react badly and Robin's going to call them out on their shit. I hope they don't react badly. I feel like they can't, but I don't know. Maybe you're right. Uh, One last thing. John Reynolds from search party uh, is this very minor, minor cop role that, you blink and you miss it, but if you're a fan of Search Party and you see him and you re- you, you recognize him, it's it's pretty great. He's he's a delightful little side character that totally ineffectual as the uh, little like what is it the sheriff's buddy, sheriff deputy, whatever. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I just love that he pops up uh, randomly. But yeah, I don't know, Eric. You you're 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 pretty overall on the same page with all of this. Anything you? You're muted. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely loving this season. I would say it was kind of shocking to see how much more violent the kills were this season than on previous seasons. Um, And then I am not able 
to look at the part involving Hopper's ankle ever. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I will say that I'm much more enjoying everything that's happening in Hawkins versus anything that's happening outside of Hawkins. I feel like the California stuff was dragging on and the Russia stuff is really dragging on. Um, and I understand why one has to be Vecna for the story to work. I don't, I just don't find that as satisfying as if it was just a monster. Hmm. Well, it, it makes it personal and it sort of elevates the stakes, I think, to like to give Eleven like her Vader. But what it's weird is if they do wrap up that now in this second volume, what's the fifth season then other than the Mind Flayer coming back? And it, it's it's structurally a little odd, but I do feel like this fourth season is like their uh, Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's the it's going to get dark before it starts oh, yeah. to come back up. Because uh, third season almost was that, but then they kind of like mm, landed it a little better or differently, I think, I think, compared to what they're doing. Anyway, I, I, I don't disagree with you, though. I do feel like it's a little too neat and you, you could have just made it another uh, another monster. But uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I feel like, yeah, I, you're you're definitely right. I feel like well, I f- I'm 90 percent sure like they're all pretty much it's just going to end with all of them getting back together or getting close to getting back together and figuring out like what the end game is going to be because Owens has pretty much said that like they can't stop gates from opening like all hell is going to break loose in Hawkins and literally the town is going to have to trust all of the people they don't normally trust to save them and I'm and I do like this moment where all the parents are kind of together and giving each other weird looks. So <sighs> I'm 90% sure the parents are all like, they know, they know something like there's no doubt in my mind that the parents aren't as, especially Nancy's mother. They're not as clueless as they seem. I but think they, the Hawkins parents are about as clueless as any set of parents I've ever known or <laughs> seen in media without almost any exception. The fact that they are so fucking clueless about what their kids are doing habitually every season it's it's it 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 starts to beg credibility but then again i definitely know uh like we we're talking about earlier there are a lot of families where you know if you were kids were out playing in the neighborhood you were pretty cool with that idea because you're like what could happen the neighborhood it's every we know the neighbors everybody's cool and this is the uh, I mean, so. well growing up in a small midwestern town you were gone for hours and parents really had no idea what was going on while kids were just out and about. There you go. So, but, but I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for volume two. And I think season five, I think they filmed season five, the same time they filmed season four. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be a quick turnaround as, as to when season five drops. So, Well, episode four, the ending scene was pretty much the best episode for me (laughs) that's been of any season thus far. I think it was just very powerful and very moving. And oh, yeah. Shout out to Sadie Sink, uh, the who plays Max. Holy crap. Like she carried the first like 
two three episodes holy shit is she an amazing actress so yeah. I, I also would say anyone who is just discovering Kate Bush for the first time, <laughs> please go listen to the rest of the album, Hounds of Love, because there are a lot of good songs on the album besides that one song. Uh, just just in case, you know, it, it, it's, it's a great song, and I love every time it pops up in media, but yeah, there's a lot of other good Kate Bush music. Uh, but, 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 but welcome, welcome. I think we're all very excited that you've, you've discovered uh, Kate Bush. It's, it's good. <laughs> There is no Kate keeping here on this good <laughs> podcast. I'm not Kate keeping. Nope. No, I'm just saying go listen to the rest of her stuff. And also, by the way, she's a little weird. You're just going to be on your own little journey and it's going to be great. There we go. And did you know that uh, this should have put her on the, I think it's the British charts at number one. And due to a, uh, uh, like a rule or a, thing that they have on the british charts any song past like that's older than a certain age like five years or whatever can't be number one because they need to keep the charts fresh so running up that hill ends up uh ended up debuting or re-debuting on their charts at number two when it should have been uh, a number one hit for kate bush how many years later unbelievable we're not we're not going to add up those years because then it'd make me sound <laughs> old. Hashtag justice for Kate. Hashtag justice for Bush. <laughs> All right. So that is Stranger Things, volume one of season four on Netflix. Go check it out if that is your thing. All right. My topic is going to be a little bit shorter. Um, I, saved, I saved the most lengthy conversation for last. I am going to talk about... A little bit of uh, a, a butch topic here in this Pride Month. Uh, renovations. Um, tearing down walls, demolition. Uh, really just all the butch activities that you can do. So everybody grab your pink tools and your pink hard hats. Your fringy masks and your converse. And let's all go remodel the Trixie Motel. Oh boy. Trixie Mattel, <laughs> renowned drag queen, makeup guru, skinny legend, <laughs> Chanteuse, has decided, along with her partner, who I don't know if any of us knew she had, uh, of yeah, five I, years. I, I, I knew she had a partner, but I just never seen him appear anywhere. Yeah, I, did, I didn't realize that. And I was like, oh, five years? I was like, okay, cool. She, she references him a lot in the YouTube yeah. stuff. So I just didn't uh, know that they were still together. I thought they may have broken up, but good for them. I don't know. Half the time, if I watch anything of... Uh, I don't really watch a lot of uh, um, but it's usually just hearing about the uh, the hallway smelling like cum. That's about all I know. <laughs> um, Her So Trixie's direct YouTube channel, though, is not on, and it is actually great because she just does a lot of nonsense, and mostly it's, like, getting these toys and, like, easy-bake ovens and shit. Um, So, no, her YouTube channel is awesome. You should watch. Oh, yeah, she does a lot of that, and then there's a lot of, like, getting ready with and and conversations like that, uh, reacting to her old videos or her old looks. I've seen a lot of that stuff, but uh, she... And her partner, David, 
decided to purchase a motel in Palm Springs, California. And apparently they wanted to originally turn it into an Airbnb. But once she actually saw the property, they decided to renovate it and turn it into a full-out motel. The Trixie Motel. And it is now a show on Discovery+. Plus. So if you have Discovery+, Plus, go check it out. There are three episodes as of the recording of this episode. There will be a fourth one out um, the day that this episode airs. It comes out every Friday. And uh, Wikipedia does not have a very long uh, description for it. Trixie Motel is an American reality television series that follows Trixie Motel and her partner, David Silver, as they buy and renovate a rundown motel in Palm Springs, California. So one of the things that I thought was um, pretty funny about this, two of the executive producers are the Scott brothers. More commonly known in the renovation reality world as the Property Brothers, oh. and uh, they are—they've not been uh, present on the show so far. I'm kind of hoping that they do, although you know it may just fuel the homosexual speculations that we all have, or maybe it's just <laughs> our desires for them to be gay. I don't know. But uh, I think uh, one of them is. One of their partners is, uh, I think, one of the the special guests on the show. I can't remember who it is, but anyway, another another story for another time as we get further into the show. Um, but during the process, you see uh, Trixie and David, obviously, Brandon, Trixie's assistant, Danny Daisy is a uh, an interior designer that she has brought on to help uh, bring this vision to life. David Rios is the project manager. And then throughout the episodes, there are different celebrity question mark guests. (laughs) Uh, Like in episode one, uh, we're treated to Lisa Vanderpump, where Lisa Vanderpump and Trixie go uh, thrift store shopping. And then this is where really the question mark comes in. Um, The old gays. Social media personalities, the old gays are are in the uh, the episode. Oh. I didn't realize that they were social media personalities, but okay, cool. Yeah, they they I actually they do a ton of stuff. I think I've seen some stuff on TikTok, and um, they are part of the uh, Willem's Beatdown episode that gave me my favorite "She's a Fracking Queen" uh, soundbite. <laughs> Oh, Zoe Deschanel. Okay. Thank you, Chris, from the other room, uh, feeding me information. Uh, Zoe Deschanel will be on the show at one point. And um, yeah, so then episode two, you get Nicole Byer and Mo Hart. And you also get Nicholas Shepard and Jetson Titus of Very Gay Paint. In episode three, we have uh, Orville Peck. Uh, Orville Peck and Trixie go uh, shopping at a... um, essentially in uh, a pioneer town thrift store. And then uh, Brittany, Brittany Broski uh, comes in and is uh, the, the second guest in upcoming episodes. You'll have Iggy Azalea. Why God, why uh, Juno Birch, Belinda Carlisle, Zoe Deschanel. I should have just kept scrolling on this Wikipedia page. It would have helped me there. Gigi Gorgeous, Jada Essence Hall, uh, Emily Hampshire, Paris Hilton, Leslie Jordan, Dan Levy, 
Tiffany Pollard. Oh, Jonathan Scott will make an appearance. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, Katya. So the the way the episodes break down. So there are eight episodes. There are seven rooms that they are renovating and then the lobby slash bar. So each room is the focus of an episode. They bought this motel for just under $2 million on the internet. They did not go to this property. They literally just bought it off the internet, according to them. I don't know if I believe that 100%, but we'll go with it. And then they're putting in half a million dollars to renovate the property. And they're doing it in a four-month time frame. She says to be able to open it in time for Labor Day and uh, go on tour. The only weird thing about that is this is filmed and edited and uh, we haven't hit Labor Day yet. So I'm assuming that we're going to get closer to Labor Day with the timing of the show. And we'll be like the final episode will will air just before that. Um, but this place is just going to like they finished remodeling it. Now it's just kind of sitting there because reservations don't open until Labor Day weekend. And if you act now, go to TrixieMotel.com. You can reserve one of the rooms at the Trixie Motel. It is not sold out for months in advance like I figured it would. Partially because it's about $800 a night to stay at this place. With a max of like two occupants per room. God Can't bless stay you. there. <laughs> it's a cute I show, mean, though. A lot of what... A lot of what they're doing is all custom work. So, I mean, like, and, and Chris and I have been watching the episodes, as, uh, the lot, three episodes as they've been coming out. And um, there are the, the work that they're doing on some of these rooms, I may not love them. So we have three rooms so far. We have the Pink Flamingos room. We have the Queen of Hearts room. And we have the Yeehaw Cowgirl room. So they're all themed. All seven rooms have a, a theme to it that kind of are inspired by the surroundings and Trixie herself. But they're doing a lot of really detailed and intricate work on murals, on custom pieces, on things that will go missing and get ruined very quickly in a motel. But I guess at an $800 a night price tag, they'll be able to afford to replace these things on every visit because, geez Louise, I don't know. Um, but it's a cute show. I also I give I give Trixie credit. She is also the uh, the singer of the theme song of the show. <laughs> it's a whole like two lines of song, but hey, I'm glad that she uh, she did that. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting watching this from like a, a queer perspective, a, a home renovation show from a queer perspective. The celebrity interactions are maybe not needed, but they're fun. Uh, the Orville Peck one was probably the cutest of the uh, the one so far. Nicole Byer was a lot of fun as well. They went, uh, they used the tufting gun to uh, tuft out a kind of a rug frame for the mirror, one of the mirrors in the room. That was good. I think the mirror on the ceiling, um, because the Queen of Hearts room is for making love. And uh, Mo Hart appeared at that one, and they did a photo shoot. So it's kind of funny watching these things come out in uh, on television. And you know that all this stuff has been saved up. And now we're getting pictures. We're getting the product releases because she's obviously plugging Trixie Cosmetics as well. And um, to see all of this being released as we go, it's fun to watch along. 
Has anybody else seen any bits and bobbles or pieces of the Trixie Motel? I've seen so, all the videos that they've released on YouTube, which yeah, have just same. been segments of episodes. So what are your thoughts? What's your favorite room so far? Um, I liked the way that the Flamingo room turned out. Same. Uh, I haven't seen the finished Yeehaw Cowgirl room, so I can't speak on that at all. So I've only seen the first two rooms finished. Okay. Um, the there is a leather bar that they end up um, using leather like spray paint on that came out really good in the Yeehaw Cowgirl room. And the wallpaper that was designed for that room includes like a cartoon Trixie. And it's really kind of cute. There are aspects <laughs> to each of the rooms that I'm like, oh, that's really cute. And then there's some that I'm like, this is the gaudiest, campiest shit in the world. And it's totally Trixie. I mean, it's a giant pink motel in the middle of Palm Springs. Like, <laughs> it, it just is what it is. And that's who she is. Yeah. Some of the stuff is just ridiculous. Like, there's one point where she uh, she goes on, like, a date night with David. And it's like, I'm so glad that we just get to be normal people in their separated table with lights and cameras around. <laughs> like... Yeah, I'm glad this is just a normal everybody night out for you. Um, and I thought it was cute. They did a little like campfire Orville Peck Trixie moment. And they had Orville sing uh, a little part of um, Mama Don't Make Me Put on the Dress Again. And it was cute. And it made me think back to uh, Two Birds. And I, I miss I miss country Trixie music. And I love it. Parts! <laughs> and I missed that. <laughs> um, and David's pretty cute. He's adorable. The first scene, oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, really? And then, like, I don't know, like maybe it was just the angle or the glasses, because uh, he came out in what was like an oversized muumu and, uh, and like some big sunglasses. Caftan like, realness. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Did it have wings? Was it an Akira caftan or was it a real caftan? <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, as as the episode's been going by and the interviews and everything, he is adorable. And it's like, I I, I totally I, I can totally see Trixie and him. Like that's a that's an adorable little couple right there. And the, there was a so you probably haven't seen this, but there is a point where I think it's in the first episode. They're talking about why they're doing this. And Trixie gives a little heartfelt, you know, thing about the fact that David has stood by for the last five years and watched every one of Trixie's dreams come true. And this was something that he wanted to do. And she was just happy to be able to help him achieve something for him. And it was mm -hmm. just an adorable little moment between the two of them. And, it, you know, David starts tearing up and it was like, oh, that's cute. Emotions, they suck. So, you know, the only thing that's a little interesting is uh, Danny, the interior designer. She uh, she's got some interesting takes. She's got some interesting hot takes about things that have never been done before, but you know, maybe aren't uh, so original. I bet it was done on Trading Spaces. <laughs> Probably. 
but it is cute. We are we're three episodes in as it was recording. Like I said, episode four comes out um, the day that this episode drops officially. So if you have Discovery Plus, if you have a way to watch it, go check out Trixie Motel. It is super cute. And I think you all will enjoy it. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to our little podcast. We hope that you are enjoying this episode and all the other content that we put out for you. We would love for you to head over to flameonshow.com and check out our website. Not only can you find our social media, but you can also find our YouTube channel, our Threadless shop, where you can buy your own Flame On swag, just like friend of the pod Jamie did. He got himself a Flame On tank top. Looks fantastic in it. Uh, he was my most recent guest on our recap, so be like Jamie and go get your flame on swag and then send us pictures. So that way we can enjoy the fact that you are enjoying our swag. You can also head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and join our Patreon house at any of the four levels we have there for you and help us continue to make this show that we love making for you month after month. All right, y'all, let's do a quick round of one-ups. These are the things that are giving us life, 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 life. In the month of June, in the year 2022, BJ, why don't you kick it off and tell us what your one-up is? So I recently got a chance to go to another another private party at one of the Disney parks. Um, and I got to go to Hollywood Studios and ride Ride of Rise of Ride, ride of the Resistance. I mean, Rise of the Resistance. Um, and it was pretty fucking fantastic um so just when you think you're not in line it turns out there's like a ride in the middle of the line and then an actual another ride um you start off at a resistance base and you're heading off to a system to for recruitment and you get picked up by a death star and the super interesting thing is that they actually have the um cast members are actual performers so when your sheer transport gets picked up like you have somebody walk in and tells you you're going to processing and get all get the hell off of his ship um and you're literally walking through a death star so it is it, you start off like walking into a cave to get a mission from ray uh and you wind up on a death star like full-on like ship it is it's pristine it's clean uh you get ordered to get into your group um when you go into your prison cell you're uh you're you're interrogated by kylo ren and then you're busted out of that cell um by some resistance uh undercover agents and then you're put in a transport and then technically the ride begins but it is a whole process it is actually actually it's pretty amazing um, so if you get a chance to ride that, if you, if anybody listeners, if any of y'all come down to Florida, um, try to get into that digital queue, uh, cause the ride wait time is always like 140 minutes. Um, but definitely, uh, rise of the resistance, uh, ride that ride. Yeah. It's pretty nice. awesome. Ride the resistance. Just, just, just getting off of that transport ship and you see all the s- stormtroopers lined up there when you get off and it's just. And it's great that they just allow you to stop and kind of take a minute and take pictures and all that before getting corralled into the actual queue. Yeah. Nice. All right, Brian, what is your one up? Real quick, 
Honorable mention, Kukuburi, Volume 1 from Ramon Perez is up for Kickstarter. If you've not seen Kukuburi, it is this all-ages tale that he has been telling for many, many, many years. And it is all being collected. And I think there's some new material, too. So go to Kickstarter, look it up. There's only a couple days left. So if you miss it because this show doesn't go out in time or doesn't go out before the end of the Kickstarter, I should say, then uh, don't worry, Ramon. You should do a pretty great job of selling those after. But you should check that out. My actual one up is Miss Marvel. The first issue uh, issue episode is out on Disney Plus. So it is good. a delight. I know some people were upset and confused about her powers changing, but honestly, it does exactly what it needs to do. It captures that same unique and and an exciting blend of sort of the Pakistani uh, Islamic culture of uh, Kamala Khan's family, but also her sort of fangirlish uh, ness and, and love for Captain Marvel. And it, it, some people keep comparing it to into the spider verse in its sort of art style and some of the like, like imagination stuff that, you know, Kamala has and how they visualize it. It is a just delightful, delightful uh, 30 minutes of television. I am very excited to see more of this kind of sort of, not minor characters, but certainly newer, younger car- characters that have lived in the Marvel universe and are now are like that reacting to the culture of having the Marvel universe and Avengers and everybody. It, it is so much fun. Disney plus we'll talk more about it. I'm sure when the whole thing is aired and everybody has watched it, but please, please, please. If you did not know it was out, go check it out. It is delightful. It's fantastic. I, 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 I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. I don't necessarily like the change in the powers. I know it ties her more to Carol at this point, and they're trying to distance themselves from the Inhumans, or at least right now distance themselves from it. But it's cute enough as it is. But the show overall, fucking amazing. Go watch it. And then uh, I think it's the highest reviewed, highest critically reviewed Marvel television show. So check it out. When that when that bitch, her counselor sat down and was like, "I want you to go. I want you to go home, not now, <laughs> but after school, and look in that mirror and say, who is that girl I see staring straight back at me?'" And she goes, "You're quoting Mulan lyrics to me. I am done. I was fucking done right there. Ah, oh, love it, Eric. What is your one up?" Um, so my topic, Fire Island, was definitely skewed more towards the adult gay audience. Um, but for my one-up, um, a TV series that came out on Netflix, Heartstopper, is skewed more towards the young adult based on um, a webcomic and graphic novel by the same name by Alice Oseman. Um, it tells the story of a gay schoolboy who falls in love with a classmate. Um and it's just adorable it is so it just makes me happy and i long for my own nick nelson um and there's just great representation for gays for lesbians for uh, trans people um and it's just a heartwarming watch and i think people should watch it 
I didn't watch it, but my favorite thing were the memes that were were coming out like right after like the big swell of it when it was like different scenes from different pieces of pop culture. It was like this was my heart stopper. And it was like the most ridiculous <laughs> moments ever. That was my, my favorite thing to come out of that. But I've heard it's great. And I've heard that it, you will cry your your eyes out through a lot of it. So maybe one day when I'm just really sad. Yeah, the the young actors are just brilliant in the roles. And mm, I wish school was like that when I was in high school. <laughs> love it. Love it. Awesome. So... I have a uh, a quick two-parter for my one-up. Uh, Book of Queer, another Disney Plus, uh, not Disney Plus, I'm sorry, Discovery Plus television <laughs> show. Uh, narrated, overall narrated by Alex Newell. Um, it dives into queer history that you may or may not know and is acted by uh, a, an ensemble cast of uh, phenomenal actors in the first episode, we've only watched one episode. Two have come out since um, since it premiered. As of this recording, there will be a third one when uh, this episode officially comes out. But it dives into essentially how Abraham Lincoln was ninety nine percent likely uh, a queer man. Eisenhower. I've certainly seen that picture of Eisenhower posed in front of the flag, the American flag, <laughs> oh, floating around Twitter lately. Oh my god, that was the best fucking picture ever! It uh, it wasn't even him. We were talking about his wife in the uh, in the episode. It was great though. Are these light hearted acted portrayals? Like, is this gay drunk history, or is this <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but not? It, so it's it's kind of um, it is very much in that same vein of drunk history, but it there's a real message behind it. It, it's an hour long show like it is a long show and then it ends with a musical number so there is a lightheartedness to it but it really is also driving home the fact that these are figures from our history who not only are like prom are prominent pieces of our culture but to also really drive home the fact that queerness isn't new transness isn't new you know um asexual bisexual all of these things there were not terms and the the terms that we use to really define and, and divide a lot of things were not in existence through history until a certain point so it's very much uh it, it really is a very pivotal piece to really kind of dive into this kind of this queer history um it's a five-part series created by eric servini about lgbt historical figures and um it's also going to include uh margaret cho dominique jackson uh alex newell uh, that i mentioned earlier leslie jordan and ross matthews are some of the listed figures that will be part of the show so if you have discovery plus go check it out it's worth it there are, I think in the first episode, there's like five different sub stories or like sections to it. And it dives a bit into each of these, the lives of these uh, historical figures. So uh, that is the first thing. Second thing, Legendary Season 3, HBO Max. If you have not watched Legendary, do yourself a favor and watch. Kiki Palmer, new uh, 
judge for this season. Did a great job. Made me miss Megan the Stallion, though. I, I may not listen to a lot of Megan's music, but she is just there is something about her personality. And Kiki brought most of that, but there was just that little bit that was different. Um, they did an anime ball. They did a horror ball. They did uh, a lot of really great performances and a, re- a lot of really great uh, themes. Bob the Drag Queen was the guest during the anime ball, came out with her Sailor Moon look. Deshaun in his tuxedo mask outfit, fucking phenomenal. One house just completely destroyed the entire competition almost the entire time. And um, they a, a deserving winner was crowned at the end of the season. Season three just wrapped up. I am hoping that uh, this will continue forward. We'll get season four. There won't be any issues with it. So if you uh, want to check out some fun ballroom television, check out Legendary, all three seasons streaming on HBO Max. Dear listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Have yourselves a great Pride Month. We hope that whatever you are doing to celebrate, or if you haven't gotten to the point where you feel that you can be openly and outwardly um, your true authentic self, don't worry. There will come a time for that. Know that when it happens, you are going to be better for it. For those of you that are living life out and proud in your true and most authentic self, Keep on doing that and showing the world that you can't fuck with us. You can, but it's not going to matter because we're always going to be here. With that being said, we'll be back in two weeks with another microsode. I'll be back on Thursdays with more recaps. And um, until we meet again, y'all. Bye, bitch. Bye. Bye.